Welcome to the Tech for Good podcast. This is the HR Tech for Good series. Mother, father, we've made it. We have the one and only Matt Alder, the original podcaster. How are you today, sir? I'm very well. I'm very well. And thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I don't normally do video podcasts, so um, I'm having to really concentrate to, 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 to make sure that I'm looking at the, looking at the camera. Um, Matt, for anybody who doesn't know you or hasn't heard your your podcast can you give us in your best american elevator pitch who you are what you do and what your podcast is about sure thing so i'm at older i run the recruiting future podcast the podcast has been around for five years i originally started it to talk about the future of recruiting these days we talk about anything to do with talent so talent acquisition um hr tech um talent management learning development you know kind of cover a whole host of topics, but the key theme is always innovation. Um, and I do two shows a week and I always seek out people with interesting stories to tell. So thought leaders, practitioners, people that you may have not heard from before um, and try and bring them to the widest possible audience. Um, long time before I started podcasting, I was listening to you. Um, you must have had nearly a million downloads by now. Over a million. Wow. That's a, yeah, heading to one point, heading to one point five. There you go, big guns. <laughs> um, I remember, I, like, I remember seven, eight years ago, you were talking about uh, chatbots changing the world and 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 the likes. It's a uh, the innovation thing is really is really interesting. Do you change subjects so often just because you exhaust a certain subject matter? What I try and do is at the beginning of every year, I'll sort of pick four or five um, key themes for that year, um, sort of depending on what's going on and obviously have to respond to uh, events that happen. So last year is a classic example of yeah. um, things not going quite according to, to plan when we got to when we got to March. But to be honest with you, they're, they're, they're always quite broad themes and they're always very similar because you know, we're on a long journey when it comes to when it comes to technology and recruiting and technology in, AI, in HR. I first started working in this industry back in 1999, and I'm not going to do the maths to work out how long ago that was, but it was quite a long time ago. Um, and my first job was all about bringing uh, internet technology into recruiting. And in some ways, some of the themes and topics we were talking about then um, are still very relevant today. So, you know, I tend to talk about things like automation, um, marketing, branding, um, you know, and, and, and all the issues around talent and the future, of, the future of work, how companies get talent, how they develop talent, how they retain talent, how they deal with, um, you know, particular you know, economic and talent market trends that are happening at the time, um, and also what what is the future, um, the future of work and the future of our industry is going to going to going to look like, and how is technology, how is technology going to help us get us get help us get there? And Matt, when did uh, when did this podcast become your full time job? When did it like take over everything? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm in year six of doing the podcast. And I suppose it was it, you know, it takes a while to build up um, any any podcast. And I think that's perhaps a, um, 
um, a, a kind of a mistake or, or something that, that people when they start podcasts for the first time don't realize just what a, um, a long game podcasting is. It takes a very long time to build an audience. So as I say, in the sixth year of podcasting, it was kind of around about 2018 that the podcast started taking up maybe the majority of my time. Um, moving into to last year, it was you know, 80, 90%, 90% of my job. And that that's very much um, the plan this year as well. So it was a, you know, it was a kind of a long, um, a long, slow evolution um, into where I am now with it. Good for you. And how does somebody get on your podcast? And like, what does that look like? Yeah, good question. I am always looking for people with interesting stories to tell. Um, probably the the thing to flag up though is eighty to ninety percent of the guests that I have on the show are practitioners in the industry. So there are people who are working for an employer, um, you know, doing you know doing the work and have stories to tell um, about the challenges that they're that they're facing and and how they're and how they're overcoming and how they're overcoming them. Um, the rest of the podcast is made up by, you know, vendors doing interesting things and thought leaders from outside of our industry who I think can bring, um, you know, bring some interesting perspectives into the into the talent world. So from a practitioner perspective, I'm just looking for people with interesting stories and, uh, you know, p- people who've overcome interesting challenges, people using technology in innovative ways, people working in all kinds of different industries, you know, all over the world. So. I think actually finding guests is probably um, the part of doing a podcast like mine that that takes that takes the most time. And when you started doing the podcast, what were the key challenges that the HR tech community were trying to solve? Have they solved that six years later? What does what does it look like? Yeah, so I mean, some of the things that we were talking about on the early shows were things like the use of mobile and the use of social media and how they were going to how they were going to sort of change recruiting. And, you know, they've obviously become very much mainstream and I think caught up in, you know, much broader issues around um, around talent acquisition. Um, You know, the economy was uh, was slightly different um, back then. So we were talking about. Um, you know, how difficult it was to uh, find find candidates. And, you know, in some respects, we're still talking about that because, uh, you know, there are very many industries where there are still skill shortages and, and all those kind of things. So it's kind of an evolution. You know, we're still talking about a lot of the topics we were talking about a few years ago, but things have, things have moved on. Things have become more mainstream. New challenges have happened. Um, you know, if you go back five or six years, the use of AI and automation in recruiting was, um, you know, it was almost a bit of a pipe dream. It wasn't something that was happening. Um, we were debating the implications of it, but we were debating from a perspective of not knowing what it would look like and, and how it would work. Um, and certainly in the last um, two years, we've seen, you know, we've seen that happening in practice and we've got a much better sense of what um, artificial intelligence, automation, and these kind of developing and emerging technologies look look like and how they're affecting um, what we do. Are you fearful for the future with AI or are you hopeful? Interesting question. And um, that's the kind of question I normally ask people who come on my podcast, <laughs> basically. So um, I think it 
is encouraging that there is now so much debate about the implications of AI in our sector um, in terms of everything from you know from bias to, to job loss to job creation to whatever that whatever that looks like um, and ultimately these technologies are just technologies and it's down to how um, we as humans use them to solve business challenges um, how we uh, look at the advantages they might bring while um, Guide, guide, guarding, um, guarding against the, the the disadvantages and the um, and the dangers. So I'm always optimistic, and I'm always um, a great advocate of technology. And I think that technology has brought us a very long way, uh, in particularly in re in recruiting, but also in other aspects of um, HR in the last sort of two decades. And I think it will continue to do that. Now, every new technology um, will bring with it. Um, a debate about its efficacy, about its use, um, about its ethics. And I think that um, as long as an industry, as an industry, we're prepared to have those debates and have difficult conversations and ask difficult questions of um, some of the vendors bringing these technologies on, um, then, then, then we're in a good place. What are the key things that, they, that people are trying to solve right now? From my very few podcasts that I've done in this space, bias keeps coming up is that the key issue in, in this year yeah i think it's one i think it's um it's a it's a massive issue um in in kind of every aspect of every aspect of what we do and i think uh, it, it's interesting to see um the potential of technology to help to solve some of the problems that that we have with bias and i think i've had some you know really interesting um conversations with some of the ceos in particular of um uh, technology companies uh, on the show uh, you know to, to talk, talking talking about that but i think the issue is is that technology is not the silver bullet that is going to solve um the the bias issues that, that we have these these are human problems that are created by by human beings and i think um you know awareness and discussion and also you know leadership is the is is the key to solving uh you know dealing with dealing with issues of bias increasing diversity increasing inclusion uh you know the, these are things that need accountability within leadership of of companies to be able to happen um, and technology can be uh, a facilitator to, to to help that and it's been really interesting to see um you know technologies that are that are coming out but 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 it's a much broader issue than just technology and i think if we talk about it as a problem that technology is going to solve um you know we're not going to solve it and we're not going to get anywhere your podcast the recruiting future what do you think the future is of agency recruitment? Future agency recruitment. So people have been asking me this question since since about 1999. So, um, you know, if you go back over 20 over 20 years, um, the Internet was going to come along and uh, fundamentally kill agency recruitment. Um, obviously, you know, fast forward fast forward 20 years and that's 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 not happened um i suppose my answer to that is is the answer that i would always give and it, it's all about um it's all about value i think that um agency recruitment um needs to bring you know value to the table whether that's um you know candidates that 
are impossible for employers to find for whatever for whatever whatever reason that might be, or, or real real value and expertise about the particular industries that they're um, that they're working in. So you know, I've seen some um, you know had some great relationships with agency recruiters. I've seen companies have some great relationships with agency recruiters where they really add, you know, where they really add value to the process. So, um, you know, I think that's been the case with, with agencies and technologies for, you know, for, 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 for a long time. And I think it will continue to be the case, but it must, it must be all about um, adding value to employers and adding value to hiring managers and adding value um, to talent acquisition functions. So we've, uh, we've just been through a pandemic, which was uh not much fun, um, but it has been kind of fun for some technology providers. It's fast forwarded things. What what are the key things do you think it's changed in HR tech? I think it is that it is that sense of fast forwarding. Um, I think one of the best <clears throat> examples I have that, that sums that up is I uh, sort of I suppose towards the end of last year. Um, I think we might have even still been in, 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 in lockdown. So maybe it was towards the middle of last year. Um, I had the HR director of a Scottish law firm um, on, the, uh, on the show. Um, and he was talking about the use of their use of video interviewing to uh, recruit um, future, uh, you know, future talent lawyers. And he said that as an HR director, he's already, he'd, already, he's, he'd always had a battle within his organization um, that there was a perception that the best lawyers do not use video to communicate. Now, obviously what happened in the pandemic is their entire law firm is having to use video to communicate on absolutely everything, yeah. um, absolutely everything they do. So it kind of blew that out of the water and there was a real understanding that video could, could bring value. He started using it in the recruitment process and very much sees that as something that, that will continue. So it's this kind of fast forward in terms of attitude to technology. So, um, you know, this time last year, most people probably hadn't even heard of Zoom. Um, this time this year, uh, you know, they're talking to their friends and family on it on a on a daily or or, yeah. or, or kind of weekly weekly basis. So I, I think the, the biggest shift is kind of in terms of attitudes to technology and what technology can um, what technology can do for us. Where I think we are though, I think it would be wrong to say that, oh, it's just massively accelerated HR technology and recruiting technology and uh, you know we're off to the next stage now. Because that's not true. Because for, for many organizations, although they're using technologies for um, things in the talent space that they've not used before, um, they might not be using some of the specialist technologies that are available. So I've seen lots of companies who, um, you know, basically death by Microsoft Teams and, um, uh, you know, not using <clears throat> some of the excellent, you know, video recruiting or learning development, you know, learning platforms or talent management platforms um, that are out there that are specially crafted um, to help people, you know, save time, save money, be more efficient um, and really enhance the communication within a business. So I think that there is still, whilst people have made that leap forward in terms of realizing that technology can, um, you know, can do things and people are prepared to do, to, to use technology to do lots of things that people thought they might not have been prepared to do. There's still a big, there's, there's still a lot of catch up to go in terms of educating the market about some of the very, very specific talent technologies that are out there um, and how they can actually bring um, a lot of value to an organization and that's where I think that's where I think we are um, 
I think it's very easy in our industry to look at, you know, the large companies, the 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 innovative um, the chief people officers, the innovative heads of talent acquisition who are, you know, who are doing amazing things and thinking that is the norm for every organisation. Um, and it's absolutely not. So I still think that there is a, um, uh, you know, a lot of kind of evolution to go on, but we have undoubtedly made a massive leap forward um, in terms of where we were just 12 months ago. So well, what's interesting about you, Matt, is that you've you've spent years following the people that you've interviewed. So you will have heard the greatest pitches, how people are going to change the world. And like all the stuff that you know is going to be hard to get out of in this interview. But if I was to put you in the shoes of you're the founder now, and you've got this great idea and you've got maybe a technical co-founder and you, you're, you're kind of at an MVP stage. <clears throat> yeah. Well, what do you do? How do you go make your, make yourself a billionaire? How would you go about it? <laughs> well, you know, if I really knew the from lessons that, learned, then I would have, you yeah. know, I would have, I would have yeah. done it and I've had a, I've got one failed tech startup. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, what would however, you do? <laughs> <laughs> however, however, what would I do differently? Or, or what do I see, you know, what yeah. do I see people doing? So I think uh, let's kind of stick to sort of recruiting and talent acquisition as, as the example here, because, um, you know, I think that there's lots of innovation and there's also lots of people who come into the industry from outside of the industry um, saying that they can solve, um, you know, solve problems. And I, and I personally think that's a, that's a good thing, not a, not a negative thing. Um, so what tends to happen is people will come up with a piece of technology that solves a particular um, particular problem and then get absolutely, or, or they think solves a particular problem um, and then get absolutely obsessed that that is the biggest problem um, talent acquisition professionals have. So it's often down to the way that people position and market and sell their their technology so um you know they they will um you know do that on this you know on this massive problem that they um they solve and and how well they do it um and i don't think they're always empathetic about their target audience and their target audience's priorities but also the sheer number of technology companies that are vying for you know share of voice share of share of attention at the moment so having you know spoken to people on kind of both sides of this you know you get very enthusiastic founders who really just want the world to use their problem and uh, you know sorry to want the world to to use their solution and solve this problem for good um and you know they're evangelical about that on the other hand you have heads of talent acquisition who you know huge amount of competing priorities very very stressful um you know time for them in the last in the last 12 months just being bombarded with uh you know messages from technology vendors about solving this problem solving that problem so what i always say to people in in everything is it's just vitally important that you understand the target audience and you understand their position and the particular problem that you're focusing on may well be a problem for them um, but it might be number 25 in their list of um, in their list of priorities and because of that you're not going to get um, you know much attention you're not going to get much traction if you understand what their sort of top two or three problems are and if your um, you know, solution in some way contributes to, to solving those challenges or, or helping them, you're going to get a lot more traction. So I think, um, I think a lot of people come into the industry or they launch products, 
and they get very, you know, and, and this is obviously something that tech entrepreneurs have to do, but they get very, very narrow in their focus. Um, but I think it's really about understanding, uh, you know, w- what the target audience are thinking and feeling and the, and the challenges that they're, that they're trying to, they're trying to solve, which will be much broader and much more strategic than, uh, you know, the best video interviewing uh, platform in the in the world ever because it does it does x and y so I think it's that and that's really also what I'm trying to do with my podcast I'm trying to bridge that gap and and let talent acquisition professionals and HR professionals really tell their story and talk about their priorities and talk about um, you know the challenges that, that that they face and I hope that um, you know that that kind of helps the industry and helps the um, you know the, the vendors really think about the the the, the their solutions and how they're marketing them. So if they get their, I suppose the, the, the most, the, the research phase and being embedded in the community is what you're saying is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but also I think it's important to understand where the community, what we mean by community. I think the other problem, um, and it's not just a problem in our industry, it's a problem in society as a whole and every single industry. Um, it can be very tempting to think that the community is the selection of the loudest voices so you know whether that's a facebook group or what you know whatever whatever it is that's not always representative of the community someone shouting loudly on social media um isn't you know isn't necessarily representative of all the issues within a particular industry so i think people really need to do their research properly they need to talk to you know a variety of different people and a variety of different companies to get um, a picture of what's going on and you know things like industry Facebook groups are tremendously helpful and a great place to make contacts and you know full of useful information but they don't always tell um, the whole story about how something works and I think that's the same for the, the groups that are, that are aimed at acquisition professionals as well the amount of times I see people going in and saying can anyone recommend a great ATS um, we need a new ATS can you give us a new ATS and it's like well you know the the strategy that sits behind that and the understanding of, of the requirements and the, the problems that you want that ATS to solve are, are kind of critical and you can't really just borrow someone else's experience because they happen to have implemented a new ATS so I think um you know I think thinking strategically and and doing research is 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 just so critical yeah you kind of half stole my next question there so I was going to ask you what the <laughs> what the what they do on the TA side of things. So what what type of things do you see them do well when they bring in a new piece of technology? What what are they like what does world class look like on that? So I think you have to have a very, very clear um a very clear strategy in place before you think about technology. I think that um the very, very best um you know people that I've interviewed are so clear on what they're trying to achieve, um, you know, as a team, what they're trying to achieve as an organization, how they're gonna go about doing it, what resources they have in place, um, exactly how a technology is gonna help them um, help them achieve that. At the same time, there are also people who do a lot of, a lot of research in terms of understanding what's out there in the market and what's actually possible. And I think if you marry both of those things together, um, you're in a position where you're setting yourself up for success. You can you can select, you can look at 
your tech stack strategically. You can select vendors um, and, and you know the requirements in terms of the, the, the functionality of um, the software that you want to use, but also, um, you know, the type of vendor you want to deal with, what kind of support you need, what kind of thinking, what kind of thinking you need, what kind of integrations you need. So it, it really is the, the, the people who do that strategy piece first and also do their research to understand what the market looks like and where the markets where the market's going are the people who are the most successful i think people who um jump into this in a kind of a knee jerk well we've got to use this and we need to use this and someone said this was a good system um you know are, are probably not going to be um as successful as people who really um put time into that strategic thinking and time into their into their research um, not just of the market right now but where the market may be going in the next sort of two or three years because you know, very often you're, you know, you're locking yourself into multi-year contracts with the solutions that you, the solutions that you have. So you have to have something that is going to be, um, you know, fit for purpose for your business, but also for the way that the industry develops over that sort of two to three year period. Tell me about that uh, software product that you tried to launch. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about this on interviews anymore. <laughs> I'm getting on your I've now. really, really stitched myself up here, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, let me get the year right. This would have been going back to, um, it's going back to 20, uh, 2011, 2012. Um, we launched a piece of um, mobile, mobile recruiting software. Um, what it effectively did was... Um, it very very allowed people to very very quickly build mobile versions of their corporate corporate career sites mm -hmm. because at the time you know we were looking at the market we were looking at um, the, the problems candidates were having um, mobile was becoming ubiquitous as a tool that job seekers were using um, but companies just couldn't keep up and um, we developed what I still think was an amazing platform um that allowed um you know quick development of mobile sites that were that were future that were future proof and kind of went went off into the distance of the future um, we also had a brilliant roadmap that would have probably had we been more successful you know put us where um some of the uh you know some of the big kind of recruitment marketing marketing platforms are now who are all our kind of little niche mobile competitors at the time um but we were just uh you know we were we got some great initial traction um but we were too early we were we were focused on something that was a problem but something that wasn't um perceived as big and a big enough problem for um for, for the clients to to truly invest time in so um you know the option was we you know we, we couldn't get funding to to really scale it so you know unfortunately we had to shut it but it was a great two years and uh you know we did provide some excellent services for the clients that we had in that uh, in that time period if i can take you back to 2011 or even 2012 and you were in the thick of that what would you do differently knowing what you know now so i think that um do you know what it's difficult because you always do it in the context of a different time so i think then the emphasis within technology companies was you had to scale massively it wasn't about um you know uh, growing slowly and uh, you know making a profit and then getting some investment it was like right you need a minimum viable product you need a few clients and then you go for massive investment and scale quickly and that's what we're trying to do 
Um, and I think if we hadn't done that, if we'd actually said, you know what, we've got some great clients, let's get some more clients, let's get to a positive cash flow position, and then, you know, look at investment, I think we would have been successful, but we were going for that massive, um, you know, massive kind of explosive growth and explosive scaling, which looking back, feels a bit ridiculous but at the time <clears throat> it was what you did and it was what um it was what investors look for so i think um it would be easy to say that i do things differently and i certainly would now would i have been able to do things differently in 2011 yeah. Dif different question will you have another crack at something like that well at the moment to be perfectly honest with you i am focusing on the podcast i'm focusing on developing out the platform um, offering, uh, you know, more value to the community in terms of insights and research. Um, and, and that's really the business that I'm focusing on at the moment. So, you know, I'm two podcasts a week. I'm, I'm going to be announcing um, an event in a few weeks time. I'm going to be doing, um, you know, research reports, all kinds of interesting things. So um, I'm very much focused on, uh, you know, very much focused on what I'm doing now. Who should uh, reach out to you to get on your podcast? So if you are a talent acquisition leader or an HR leader and you are facing some interesting challenges or you're using technology in an innovative way, um, then I'd really, you know, I'd really like to hear from you. And um, particularly if, you know, you're not someone who's spoken at a lot of conferences and we haven't, we haven't heard your story before. One of my um, you know, one of the real kind of values of my podcast is I want to be as inclusive as possible. I want to find stories that we've not heard before and give them a give them a platform to to amplify some of the brilliant work that's kind of going on um, behind the scenes um, all over the world that doesn't necessarily get talked about, um, you know, on Facebook or in conferences. And what's the easiest way to get hold of you, Matt? Um, if you go to recruitingfuture.com. Um, you can find all my contact details there or just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. All right. Matt Alder, everybody, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you.